Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Di Manuel. Di is a life coach. He's also a fitness coach. He helps people with well-being, addiction, and so many other things. Uh, honestly, we have a great conversation. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Please check me out on Instagram, at NoorKidY. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. And we're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records, so check them out too. Let's get into this week's episode, everybody. My guest this week, Di Manuel. All right, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here with Di Manuel. Di, thanks for joining me, brother. Thanks, Noor. It's, uh, it is honestly great to be here. <laughs> and uh, more than that, I, I know we've been playing a lot of tag with the emails, trying to make things work. And I'm just I'm stoked that we connected and that we are connected. And uh, also, you know, just tremendous respect for you and what you do. I, I think anybody that works in stand-up comedy or, or in the comedy field, I mean, you're someone that knows how to take a beating and keep on going. <laughs> you know, like, and, I, and I'm just impressed, man. I think it's just awesome. And uh, yeah. appreciate your energy. So thanks for, for allowing me to be here today. <laughs> no worries, man. Honestly, I kind of wish my best skill wasn't being able to take a beating. <laughs> that, would <make> my, <laughs> that would make my life a lot easier. But <laughs> it's resiliency, though, right? And, uh, oh, 100%. 100%. The way I look at it, that's my word this year. Every year I have a word I pick. To, to sort of encapsulate what my focus is for the year and this year it, for me it's resiliency and i uh, like that all right yeah yeah so it's uh but i i think you have to be resilient to be a comic oh my god <laughs> yeah no I, you, oh. you really do and like all right so i'll tell my audience like yeah. you're you're like a life coach you help people yeah. with like high performance you help people like mentoring and stuff about fitness uh a lot to do with uh, self-transformation and like what yes. you did just start doing you started trying a little comedy too oh. so it's kind of <laughs> like I like how you just keep adding different stuff to challenge yourself why did you do uh why did you even try to dip into comedy you know because I have a lot of respect for just the art form and it, it is an art form you know just like anything else out there whether you're a, a singer a songwriter a performer I mean comedy is just another vertical you know but I honestly feel based on the little experience that I've had now I'm like that's got to be one of the most challenging things to do in the performing arts space and why I say that is uh, I mean when everything when, when you feel that your value is dependent on somebody laughing <laughs> and they don't laugh ha 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 ah, and, and I think that was the thing that intimidated me the most. And, and I kept saying no to myself. No, I'm not going to do that. And I was like that with public speaking. Like I, I grew up being extremely anxious, you know, and dealing with social anxiety. And so getting in front of a group and speaking in front of a group, I mean, I would avoid that at all costs or I would need a few drinks for me to even entertain the idea. Mm -hmm. That's sort of where the TED talk spins off. You know, 12 years ago, I, I was struggling with, with alcohol abuse. You know, I just, I had a really poor relationship with alcohol. Was all, I was using alcohol to, to manage my stress, my mental health. And, and that's a slippery slope, right? If that's your healthy way of dealing with the, the, the unhealthy stuff, uh, it, it's just a recipe for disaster. And, and it was, and mm. uh, my life was unraveling. And uh, long and short of it, humor has always been a big part of my life. Mm. And being able to laugh 
Uh, I grew up with my, my my dad, especially. So similar to the story you shared before we, we started recording today, you know, about you and your father growing up and watching Chris Rock comedy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And other comedy. And uh, well, I, I grew up watching Monty Python. You know, mm-hmm. Faulty Towers, Benny Hill. My dad loved British humor. Okay. And so we, we grew up watching all that and all the Monty Python movies. So that sort of dry, witty humor, or in some cases, very slapstick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love just that that bigger than life sort of uh, air the, the the Monty Python crew had, right? Like the, mm. the John Cleese's of the world and Michael Palin's. Like they just, they were bigger than life, you know? And, and uh, growing up, I always thought, man, that'd be cool to be able to do something like that one day. Because I, I like making people feel good. I do. And I mean, that's what you do every day when you're out there performing and you're connecting with an audience. I mean, you're for that moment in time, the rest of the world, it just, it's not there. It falls away. And, and all you have is that joy and happiness, that experience that's being shared in that moment. And that, that, that just fascinates me. I want to, I want to tap into that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what got me started, even though it was the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it was still something that I knew I, I was up for the challenge, you know, that's a, uh... Great. And uh, I love how you, uh, I love your motivations for getting it started. I think that's uh, really cool. Uh, can I ask you then, like, now that you've done it a couple of times, like any kind of changes to like uh, yourself yes. or what you, anything you perceive, like the world or what you do? Well, I just had my first uh, in-person presentation again. So the, the Vancouver Wellness Show just happened and it's the the largest wellness show in in, in uh, BC and okay. uh, it, it's you know it usually gets a really big draw but because of that pandemic obviously they, they didn't have it for a few years and they just had it again and so they invited me to come and speak for an hour and so I, I was like yeah this is great you know because I, I love to do that I love to connect with an audience I love to help people and uh, <laughs> I, because this is you know a few months after my first experience doing stand-up and, and going through that process. Cause really it's a very different art, you know, like public speaking, speaking from a stage, especially longer format talks. Uh, not to say that comedy doesn't also, such, I mean, you look at these one hour specials and I'm blown away. Like I had a five minute set and it felt like an eternity when I was up there. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> and, uh, and that five minutes was a long five minutes, but I, I, you know, I've gotten very comfortable doing keynotes for 90 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, you know, no problem. Great. I can do that. But this was less completely different. Like it was just awesome. And I got, will I do it again? Yeah, I'm going to try it again. I got a showcase next month and uh, that'll be exciting. Um, but what I've learned is timing is, is the biggest thing. And also I have a tendency when I get excited, I talk fast. And I realized that was something that I learned as well, which is now transferred over into my public speaking as well even into how I coach and I work with people like I I'm much more aware and present to timing so I think that was the biggest thing I really took away from the experience at least the first time around because I realized like a lot of time I would cut off the laughter I was so quick to move to the next joke and they were still laughing and and you know uh, the, the person that was been coaching and mentoring me you know they were like you gotta slow down man you just gotta take a few breaths let them laugh like and I, I but I'm up there I'm excited I'm nervous right I'm just like I gotta keep going I gotta keep going and uh, and so that's that was the biggest shift and, and it's now been transferred over into other areas of my life which I I'm very grateful for yeah that's great um and uh, I'm I'm surprised how quickly you picked up on that uh I guess like with me I started as a teenager so like oh yeah um yeah. I was I had those issues for years like I had years where I was speaking too fast and like I, I always had social anxiety too so I would do that when I'm in conversations but yeah. it's hilarious how you said that timing thing because when we want to connect with people even just speaking with them like personally just one-on-one like we are like that timing's incredible and like the 
the idea of just being able to shut up and be comfortable in the silence, let, let the person who's listening to you be able to absorb what you said and like, give them the time and then just show them like, Hey, I'm comfortable in the silence. Like that's, uh, right. that's it's really good. It works so much on stage and it just works in conversation or presentation as well. It's nice. Right. And, and I, I honestly can say like, uh, it's, you, you want to get better at timing, stand up. It's definitely going it, to, well, it, it, I was going to say it forces you into being respecting of timing. Cause I mean, you, you have to like to, to perform well and to connect and to make sure everything lands and is understood like that timing, that little space between the laughter, even like, and it's, it's amazing how uncomfortable it can be. <laughs> like, you know, you're like, what, I'm curious, like, what is your, like, how do you prime yourself before you go on stage? I'm just curious, like, do you have a process? Cause I know that's a big deal with a lot of people. There's, and I, I know for me, public speaking, there's a certain process I go through a few minutes before I'm about to perform, mm-hmm. you know, before I'm about to go on in front of an audience. But I'm wondering like, what's your process? Like, what do you do? Or like, um, I'm just, cause I'm fascinated by it. Well, the whole, my whole thing is just becoming present, be, be in the moment. Um, like before, when I was like struggling with anxiety a lot, I used to like, just try to breathe a lot. So I would have like a lot of deep breathing exercises I would do before I go on stage and that would calm my anxiety. But now my anxiety is like pretty manageable. So I just know I have to be, I have to be, I have to be energetic and I have to be in the moment. So sometimes I still have a little bit of anxiety, but I've, I've kind of found a way to turn that anxiety into excitement. So I would just like, I know how to kind of like just do that and just get into the moment. So it's all about like feeling excited and being like, okay, I'm getting into the moment because when you, when you are excited, you give off a different energy and the audience will like feel that energy and then they'll get excited too. uh, If they like you. (laughs) 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 Very true. (laughs) Yeah. That makes total sense. And uh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. The breathing exercises for sure. And it's, um, but also how you, you, you mentioned, you know, channeling the anxiety into more of an excitement or a positive energy. I've uh, that's something I've worked really hard on as well. And, And I, that's how I usually respond to people now too, you know, when I talk about public speaking, I haven't had the experience with stand up yet, but uh, I, I'm working on it. I'm working yeah, on it. <laughs> hey, it happens. It happens. Um, all right. Um, I, uh, let's uh, let I, I didn't even give you a proper introduction. Oh, that's so, okay. um, I'm just a dude from Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But I, I, I do want to hear a little bit more about your story. And uh, I think my audience will appreciate it, too. Um, so you were saying like you were struggling with like substance abuse. So I was wondering, like, uh, what happened? What kind of changes you made and like what? Uh, what kind of uh, place did it put you in? Like now, where are you at? And like, what do you want to help people with in particular? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, let, let me put it this way. So I, I do help, love to help people with changes or transformations that has to do with well-being. Okay. You know, what, and there's lots of different ways to do that, to support people with those kind of shifts, uh, especially when we're talking about health and well-being. I know it's very broad terms, but the way that we can work on that is through lots of different means. And, and I mean, stand-up comedy, to be honest, is very cathartic. I mean, uh-huh. I look at the level of vulnerability of some comics and I'm just like, wow. But I know from them, they're sharing something that's very raw and very real, but they're looking for the humor in it. And I know that that's very cathartic. Like it, it, it's a great way to, to assist the healing process. Uh-huh. And so as such, you know, even when we're thinking about our well-being, there's, there's so many aspects to health. And whole health or whole life fitness, as I often say. And so I'm talking about mental health. I'm talking about emotional health, psychological health, spiritual health, 
even financial health, mm-hmm. right? Like, cause I mean, the amount of anxiety and stress and depression that's tied to finances is, is remarkable and it's only getting worse. So I'd be naive to not focus on that. We all need to be present to our financial situation, you know, and because it's so easy to, to say yes in the moment, buy something with a piece of plastic and then be like, oh boy, <laughs> I do have to pay for this at some point, you know, and, uh, yeah, and that yeah. just, it piles up, right? It just piles up. I, I look at this pandemic and yeah, sure the government gave away a lot of free money, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, what have you done with that opportunity, you know? And, and uh, I, I've seen some people mismanage that and now they're no better in, in a no better situation. I, the amount of stress and anxiety that creates for people, I don't want that for them. Mm-hmm. So health, fitness, mindset conditioning, you know, even cognitive behavioral therapy, which is just another way of sort of reinforcing our sense of purpose in life and fulfillment and mm-hmm. figuring out where do I get that? How can I get more of that? And do it in a healthy way. So these are all the things that I love to talk about, I like to support people with, but I didn't come to it naturally. Like I was morbidly obese as a teenager. Like I'm a really big kid. You see, a lot of people think, well, you're a pretty fit dude. You talk about fitness a lot. You're, were you an athlete? That's just, everyone automatically presumes that. Like, it's ridiculous. You but, look like an athlete. <laughs> well, I, I, thank you. Thank you. Look you. Like, uh, I was like, you gotta be like a football player or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, in case in point, like, that's exactly it, right? Like, it's quick to judge people based on seeing them. And that's fair. I'm, I mean, I'm 6'1", over 200 pounds, and I'm, I'm pretty lean, you know, because I, I do have a very specific lifestyle that, that allows me to thrive. But it's based on me making decisions every day. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But I wasn't good at making decisions when I was young and even into my twenties and early thirties. It's just, I went from managing my mental health, my stress, in particular depression and anxiety. I dealt with that and self-medicated with food as well as video games and movies. Like that's what I was doing from age nine to 14. That was pretty much my life. Okay. You know, like I, and you can imagine doing that, making those your pre three primary, you know, sources of, of health management, I mean, it has a very uh, negative compounding effect. And, and over those five years, I got bigger and bigger and more unhealthy. Mm. And of course, more depressed, more anxious, uh, more withdrawn. And uh, at age 15, I just I made a decision to make some changes. And a lot of people say, well, what really motivated that? And it was like, well, there's two things. Well, one was I, I realized I was more afraid of what life was going to look like when I was 20 than I was of what if I make some changes now, <laughs> you know, versus waiting? Like when you're more afraid of the, 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 the idea of not changing than you are of the idea of changing, you, you're, you're ready to make some changes, you know? And that's a great point. It, but it's true though, right? When mm-hmm. we think about it, we get to that place where we're just, we, we, it hurts too much not to change. Yeah. I got to that pain point. And I hate to use that because I, I know some people say, well, you're making fear-based decisions, you know, like I, I, people will spin it any way they want. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Of course. I'm like, but that's the truth of it. Like it motivated me. I was honestly afraid. Mm-hmm. And also I was afraid of being alone. You know, I, I wanted a girlfriend. <laughs> I did. I wanted a girlfriend, man. Yeah, 15 yeah. and hormones are starting to kick in. And I'm like, I want a girlfriend. I want someone to want me. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I didn't want me. Mm. And I think that's really the telltale piece right there is that I didn't see any value in me. And, and so I needed to sort of trust that if I did a process that was different than what I was doing, it would probably provide different results. 
And, you know, and, and for me, it was involved me getting some books. <laughs> My kids are like, why don't you just Google it? I'm like, I, your dad's older than Google, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, how cool is that? Right. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, you're old. Like, are you older than TVs? I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, like, anyways, kids can be a pain in the ass. But um, so here I am. And, and I, I decided that I'd make some changes. And I got some books out on nutrition and fitness and I, I went to my parents and they were, I thank goodness they were so supportive because I, I, they could see in my eyes that I was ready to make some changes mm. because everything before then, and you may be aware of this, maybe in your own family dynamics or with, with close friends, you know, like we see our friends, our family hurting and we just want them to, to feel better. We want them to be happy. And so I know that that was my parents' prerogative. They wanted that for me. They saw me hurting. And so they would make every effort to support me to start making some changes but every time they came to me with an idea or a suggestion or a plan to help me, I always thought they were saying, because they would be like, oh, here, well, well, let's go get you a personal trainer that can help you become, you know, a little healthier. They'll, they'll walk you through. They'll teach you. They'll mentor you. And I'm like, what are you saying? I'm fat? Like, you know, like, you, you don't think I'm good enough as I am? Like, that, that's all I heard. Every time they came with a suggestion, I was like, you just don't think I'm good enough. You think I need to change? Yeah, yeah. And it was just so weird, you know, now in retrospect, you know, we'll reflect back on this. I'm just like, man, yeah. what the hell, you know, like, and uh, as a father now of two girls, I, I can tell you that, that the reflection period and now the intention, it, 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 I work hard not to do that to them, you know, to try to create mm. more conversation rather than just being someone that has to be there to try to fix things. Because as soon as we try to fix things, we're now also implying that the thing we're fixing is broken. Mm. And so I'm trying not to be a fixer. I'm just trying to be a supporter, a listener, right? And um, anyways, it took about two years of me being consistent. They bought me a mountain bike because I asked for a mountain bike. They were like, oh my gosh, guy's asking for something and he wants to get healthier. Uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's capitalize on this feeling right now, you know, whether it sticks or not. I mean, they just said, okay, let's, let's do this. We'll, we'll, we'll provide you with what you want. It sounds like you're motivated to do this. So what can we do to support you? And, and they supported me. That's they gave me nice. the space. They gave me some resources from a standpoint. They started buying different foods. They, they allowed me to, to lean into my fitness, gave me some time and some space to do stuff on my own. Cause I wasn't going to a gym. I was like, hell no, I'm not going in there. I'm like 15 years old, morbidly obese. I, I don't even like looking in mirrors and there's very few photos of me back then. Thank mm -hmm. goodness. Not, I mean, it wasn't like today because I mean, everyone's got a high end camera in their pocket now, you know, like, yeah, yeah. That wasn't the case back then because I, I can only imagine what life would have been like if I had to deal with all that added social pressures on top of what I was dealing with, you know, okay, that's why I feel for kids today. Yeah, right? no kidding. Oh, so I made some changes, but, you know, and at age 17, I, friends of my parents came over and they were like, hey, Di, we've seen these big changes that you made. But could you help us? We want to get a little healthier. Oh, you know, wow. And I'm seven. Nora, come on. Let's. Can you think back when you were seventeen? If you had an adult come to you and say, "Hey, Nora, we'd like to talk to you," what would you unlikely think? Yeah, I'm like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yes, thank you. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh shit, what did I do? <laughs> you know? and I was like, what did I do last night at the bar? Oh god, I don't know. Anyways, and um, but it turned out they authentically wanted my help. They they believed that I knew something that they didn't know, and it could help them with their changes. Hmm. That was the first time in my life at that point. 17 years on this planet that anyone come to me and really truthfully wanted my opinion wanted my help that's really nice yeah it, it, it that was it that i got bit by coaching and mentorship right then and there because i was like wow i i feel so fulfilled helping these people i wonder what it would be like to do this for the rest of my life 
could I do this for the rest of my life? And mm. that's sort of what set in motion. And, and, you know, obviously becoming a personal trainer was a really simple transition like that without, that was, like, it just made sense, you know? And, but I also felt that just fitness solutions wasn't enough because I need, I had to do a whole shift, you know, it wasn't just fitness. Fitness got me a little healthier, but it was the mental health aspect I wasn't working on. And I didn't work on that until my thirties. So I went from food to alcohol because the yeah. anxiety was still there. Yeah. You yeah. know? And because I never dealt with that stuff. I just dealt with the surface stuff. I changed my image thinking that if I change how I look, everything will get better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it didn't, you know, um, sure. I was a little healthier. I may have appeared more confident and more sure of myself, but trust me on the inside, I wasn't, mm. you know, and, uh, and that's what led to starting to use alcohol as a way to become more comfortable with myself, way to open up with people. And also I had a very different persona. I mean, I had the nickname fun guy die. You know, oh, like wow. that, I was like, even I'd go to trade shows, you know, when, when my company was at our, in our heyday, like I, I'd be at trade shows, you know, dealing with dealers and uh, making buys and all this stuff. And uh, I'm sorry. And I was in the fitness equipment industry for 17 okay. years. And um, as such, you know, made lots of great connections, very well respected, but on the flip side at these trade shows, you know, this is when I knew things were not going in the right direction <laughs> because people would be asking, it's like, you know, they want to do business with me, but then more importantly was guy, where are you going tonight? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be there, you know? And, and like, so I had this reputation. Okay. And, and, uh, and so, you know, trying to be a professional, trying to develop a professional career yet having this sort of double side, um, it, it just, it, you know, I thought it was cool in the moment. I've realized now, you know, 12, 13 years removed from that, it wasn't, it was just me masking. It was me looking for, again, similarly to what I wanted before was I wanted acknowledgement. I wanted people to want me. I wanted people to like me. Yeah. And it was because I didn't like myself. A hundred percent. And so, yeah, that's, I, I've sort of given you the overview of like, you know, from my teen years now to my early thirties and then my thirties, I made a different, uh, another change. Yeah. And, and I said one year, no booze, one year. That was my commitment. Okay. To my wife and my kids, but it will all spawn from one question that she asked. What was that? Di, are you being the type of man that you'd want your daughters to marry? Wow. My wife asked me that, you know, both girls were under the age of six at the time. They were four and six years old. And um, I realized in that moment where I could not defend myself. I could not argue the point. I couldn't even answer the question with a yes mm. because I knew she was right. I was not like if they ended up with a guy like I was back then. I wouldn't allow for that. I wouldn't want my daughters dating a guy like that. And yet that's what I was telling them is, okay, this is what a guy is supposed to be like. This is what, you know, a man or a husband, a brother, a business owner, you know, a father. Like, that's what I was telling them was, this is what those people are like. Yeah. And, 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 and it was just, everything shifted instantly. And so I made a one-year commitment and, and I learned really quick, Nora, that I, it had become such a coping mechanism for me. It was really, really hard to, to, to just turn that part of me off. And that's when I needed help. And this is where the whole idea of vulnerability and, and getting comfortable with being vulnerable and asking for help and making some changes and actually humbling myself to the point where I had to check my ego at the door and say, you know what? I do need help. I can't do this on my own. And, but it took a few months to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but thank goodness I got there, you know, cause once I got there, then things really started to change. And my whole life has been on a completely different trajectory these last decade based on those small decisions that I made, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So those are yeah. big, 
Yeah, those are huge decisions, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for sharing. Now, honestly, that's like very revealing of just like kind of the yeah. uh, place you went through. And like, honestly, it's interesting, like how you said you were like really obese back in your heyday because like like you said it's kind of shitty that like even I looked at you and I was just thinking oh this is just like a big fitness dude kind of thing so I I was just kind of thinking like in that sense that like you know you kind of have that stereotypes where you're like oh no it's probably kind of easier for him like being like a big dude like that but uh no I I really appreciate you uh sharing like that um (laughs) you also said uh something that I uh like I'm gonna probably I'm probably not going to say it as eloquently as you, but you were saying um, when you want to, uh, when you, you, when you're helping somebody, you're not going to tell them we need to change you because, and uh, it's like, I need to support you. Correct. I love that. Uh, Can you maybe dive into like a little bit of why that is so important? Sure. And yeah, I think it's an important distinction to make there because I think, it's so interesting, right? Because I, I think a lot of us just don't like to presume and, and, and you know, to be fair, the self-help movement. <laughs> I mean, it's like, uh, I, I think it was it George Carlin that did a bit on self-improvement. I, I think he yeah. did. And yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's hilarious. It <laughs> it's is so funny, one. right? It's so, so good. Funny. You know, like if it's, it's called self-help, well, why are you buying a book? Just help yourself. You know, like it was just, uh, anyways, I, I don't do the bit justice, but if you look at it on YouTube, it's really funny, but he's, you know, he's speaking the truth in a lot of ways. And, and I think people have to realize just picking up a book's not enough, you know, and that just having one conversation is not enough. It's usually because we just don't know enough personally. We don't have knowledge. We don't have clarity, which also means we don't usually have confidence. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have confidence, it's easy to procrastinate. It's easy to do the things that maybe aren't as fulfilling, but it gives us a momentary boost from a mood, you know, like sugar, as an example, you're like, I loved sugary foods. Why? Because instantly I eat it. Woo, I feel good in the moment. Now, again, 10, 20, 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, I need some more sugar because I'm dipping again. And, you know, it's this sort of we start to tie feeling better to things that give us a quick fix. Here's the thing, though. All of a sudden you have these people that want to support you. You know, maybe not so much coming with suggestions, telling you what to do, because none of us want to be told what to do. As well as if someone's coming in trying to offer up this advice and it's unsolicited, you know, like we haven't asked for help and yet you're here trying to force help on me. It it can't help but feel like, man, I'm lesser than or Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, you don't perceive me as someone of value. You think there's something that needs to change. And yeah, you kind of kick in the defense mechanism. Yes, you do. You do very much so. At least I did. And I, I felt that way a lot. It would trigger me for sure. And I could be a bit of a dick, you know, I would, I'd be bombastic or I'd say something sh- very short, you know, and, and to the point, but not kind, not, not with like, Oh, thank you for the offer. Like, it's okay. Like I've got this, like, it, it, cause I always just felt that I was being, impl- like, it was being implied that there was something that needed to be fixed. Mm. But as soon as we say there's something that needs to be fixed, like I said earlier, it, it just implies that something's broken. Mm-hmm. And it's never the case. None of us are broken. None of us are. Not a, not a single human being is broken. Like we're all exactly as we, we came into this planet. We have experiences that sort of shape our belief systems, who we are, personality traits, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, people can't change us. We have to change ourselves. And, but we have to be at a place where we want that for ourselves. Because mm-hmm. if we don't, everything that comes at us, we won't receive very well. 
And that's really the difference between the idea of support. It's like, hey, I'm here to help you. Like, if you want to do anything, make some changes or shifts, or you want to get a little healthier, like, let me know. Maybe we can work out together. You know, let's go for a hike together. Let's, hey, why don't you come over? We'll have, uh, we'll make some smoothies. You know, like there's so many other things we can do that we do together that teaches new skills, builds the awareness and knowledge, but more importantly, the confidence for that individual. That's the idea of being supported. You know, I love that. No, I I love that a lot. And like, like you were saying, it's like, I think the one thing, the feeling you're describing, and I have had it too. It's like, it's a feeling, deep feeling of inadequacy. Yes. And uh, Mm. I honestly, I think it's uh, very prevalent in our society right now, especially with like social media and our culture Mm. and like how we kind of tell each other stuff and a lot of isolation. So like we are isolated. So that feeling of inadequacy, like it, that feeling only goes away when you're around other people I find that's right and yes like, yeah and like how you were so saying good. like support um community which is like all things I've I've seen like this is some things that you promote a lot like uh maybe even like kind of tell us like what what do you see with community because I know you do a lot of men's groups and yeah. like uh even just like why, why how does this help like with this kind of feelings and stuff like this and your mental health Oh man, these are great questions, Nur. I, I love where you're going with this, by the way. This is mm-hmm. like this is the stuff that gets me excited because this is the stuff that actually makes all of our lives better. Mm-hmm. You know, not not just on the, the solo local side, but also on the global side, right? Like this has far-reaching benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's super cool because I this conversation is happening more and more now. We're more aware of this conversation. People are having it, they're open to having it. And that's exciting because that's where we get to a point where there will be critical mass. And when critical mass gets there, that's where real big changes start to happen, for, especially at the government level down. You know, and, and I think we're starting to see programs, especially in Canada, we're starting to see a lot more initiatives happening. And, and mm-hmm. that's actually probably one of the biggest pluses of the pandemic is that people have realized, geez, mental health is something that we really need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. We need to offer better support and support systems um, to get people the knowledge that they need to be more confident in now committing to maybe a process or a new way of, of doing things and, and also learning new things about it. But, you know, back to your question. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got off on a tangent there. What was the original <laughs> question? Well, I was just, yeah trying to like the importance of like these communities and oh, support yeah. for each Thanks. other. Yeah. Sorry. So community is critical because listen, let's be honest, you know, when we're feeling really low about ourselves, we do tend to isolate. It's like an injured animal, right? An animal, when it becomes injured, its instinct is to hide and hide by itself. They usually end up dying. <laughs> it's not a, not a good thing, right? And maybe it miraculously heals itself and it's able to, to, to emerge again. But it, there's this retreat mechanism that kicks in, in our, just automatically. And I think a lot of us feel that way. You know, maybe not everybody. I know I did. And that's my, my thing. If I'm feeling low, I don't want to see people. I don't want to be around people. I want to be by myself, have my own little pity party, you know, like yeah, yeah. whatever, self-medicate, Netflix and chill, whatever you want to call it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. just, it, it's a learned response. And is it the healthiest way to deal with it? Mm, probably not. There's nothing wrong with it, but is it really satisfying the thing that's triggering us or challenging us? And I, I think what ultimately came down to, and, and when I think about all the changes I've been through and, and, and I'll invite you to think back to any of your big changes as well, or transformations or big, just, you know, those paradigm shifts this mm-hmm. idea where we go from believing one thing and now we're completely on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, and those paradigm shifts are, are so awesome because it's not just one thing that changes. It's usually a whole pile of things that change all at once. Mm-hmm. 
and there's there's three questions that every single time I've been through a change, I, I, I mean, I can articulate this now, but I know I went through this process where these questions were answered. And that's what's really allowed me to lean in to make the changes happen or support others with it. First question. So anybody that's listening or watching this, this is, these are the questions. You just got to put these to memory. Anytime you feel like you're stressed out, feeling anxious, feel like, gosh, I need to change some things. These are the three questions you got to answer. Right. Number one, can I do this? Right? Pretty simple, but can I do the change? Can I make the change happen? Can I actually do this? Like me as morbidly obese teen at 15 years old, can I actually get healthy? Can I lose the weight? You know, and there was a lot of years I didn't believe I could. But eventually I got to a place where I was like, okay, well, why, why not? You know, mm. why can't I? And that's where the education piece, because I just didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know what I would need to do. So really those questions, they're just, it's knowledge, right? I needed knowledge. And mm. so when we ask the question, can I do this? It's like, okay, well, maybe, but what do I need to know first? Well, I need to know how to do it. So we, we got to start looking for answers or solutions, or more importantly, just knowledge. So we can gain confidence because once we feel confident, we can start taking action. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that's, that's important. This is again, to provide clarity. Once clarity breeds confidence, confidence breeds action and vice versa. It goes back and forth like a wave ebbing and flowing off the shore, right? Like yeah, back that. to the action, action, back to confidence, confidence, back to clarity, yada, yada, yada. So you get a yes to question one, right? You get to this place where you're like, yeah, I can do this. I know what to do. Can I do this? Yeah, I can. Question two, <laughs> if I do this, will it work? I mean, I, I've seen this in the fitness space a lot, like, especially when people, they, you know, the, the whole diet culture, right? And diet's been bastardized, just the word, the term. I mean, it just means the way that we nourish ourselves, the way we fuel ourselves. That's really what the term diet means. But yet everybody knows or believes it to be weight related, right? Like it's all about losing weight, releasing weight. Like that's what diet is. So, you know, if I do this, will it work? Most people in the diet space, you know, they're like, well, this new diet might work for me. But, you know, every time I've tried to diet, I lose some weight and then I gain it all back. Mm -hmm. I keep failing. Why would I do it again? You know, like, and this is often <laughs> what happens to a lot of us. We're like, geez, I could probably do it. But I mean, will the results stick? Uh, probably not. So do I really want to do this? Nah, we got to get to a yes. You know, if I do this, will it work? That's where I always look for social proof. And this is the cool thing about social media. I mean, you just go on and you can see people that are doing things that maybe you want to be doing and they're producing them certain results. Yeah. It's like, well, if they can do it, can I do this? You know, like, well, yeah. You know, if I do what they were doing, will this work? Like for me, if I start to eat a little bit differently, I start to move my body a little bit more as the morbidly obese teenager, will I start to see some results? Will I start to see myself get healthier? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I will. Why wouldn't I? So you get a yes and a yes. Can I do this? Yeah. If I do this, will it work? Hell yeah. Now you got to ask question three, is it worth it? Now, this is a value-based question. It's great. If I'm talking to teams or to organizations and I'm taking them through this sort of change process, sure, we can use the term it. Mm. But as individuals, we got to look in the mirror and we have to ask, am I worth it? Wow. Okay. That's not easy to answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got that. At 15, I couldn't tell you yes, confidently. Mm. I couldn't. And so because on question three, and so many people are challenged to answer yes on question three, especially when you're in it, you know, you're in it, you're feeling low, you're not feeling confident about yourself, you, you, you know, it just feels like the world's weighing in on us. And, and it happens. It's just where we get to when we're feeling sort of withdrawn or disconnected with our own lives. Lost, if you will. This is why there's a, a follow-up question to number three. So it's actually three and a half questions. 
And this is to answer, I know this is a long roundabout way of answering your question on community, but number four or three and a half, if you can't answer yes to, am I worth it? Yeah, I'm worth it. Because if you talk to your family, you talk to friends, that unconditional love, they're going to say, well, of course you're worth it. You know, they're going to be like, yes, do it. And how can we support you? Well, the second half doesn't always happen, especially with family. Um, but, (laughs) but, But this is why number four or three and a half is so critical. It's like, who do I need to be around to, to navigate these changes, you know, or who do I, what community do I need to belong to, to support me with the changes I want to make? Hmm. That's so critical. And, and it's, it's a matter of finding community because if you don't have enough belief in yourself, trust me, find a community of like-minded individuals that want similar things. There, you might be further along on the same journey. And it might only be two or three steps ahead. That's fine. They can turn around, shine a flashlight on the ground, say, hey, watch out for that bottle. <laughs> I, I took yeah. it last week, you know, like, yeah. but more than that, as they're further along the journey, they've developed more belief and self-confidence. I'll tell you, they have enough now to also pour some back into you who's just getting started. Hmm. And that's the beautiful thing. If you find and belong to the right community, and it might take a little while to find it, or you might want to go and do what I did, where I was like, every time I struggled to find one, I went and just said, well, what if I create one? Hmm. <laughs> what if I just put the question out? Anybody else looking to connect on this? It's amazing when you put the question out, how many people will put up their hands and say, yeah, I, I am. I, I'd like to talk more about that or some support with that. And, and that's an easy way to do it. But question three and a half, find the community because they'll pour belief into you until the point where now you have enough for yourself again. And now you can then contribute and help the next person along. And that's a critical part, that contribution piece. It's, it's, It's a similar emotion to feeling gratitude and gratitude. When we feel grateful, there's no room for any other emotions. Like truly, when we're feeling grateful about something, that's all you can feel. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, And contribution, helping someone else. And that's what I experienced at 17 was, I felt so fulfilled and so good helping somebody else. And, and I was like, yeah. geez, I want to keep doing this, you know, because also that fed into my accountability for myself, wanting to continue doing the good things that had worked for me. Cause now mm. I'm helping others do the same thing. I want to role model the good behaviors, you know? And, and so that's sort of the roundabout way of talking about community, but also how to navigate change, at least in a more clearly laid out way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, well, at least it gets you pointed in the right direction, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, may not provide all the answers, but it will get you started. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, I love it, man. The, those are great uh, ways to look at it. And uh, even those questions, I can see how like it can result in a paradigm shift. Yes. Like if you go along with those questions over time. Because uh, I know those are tough questions to ask, especially the last one. Um, yes. Oof. Yeah. And but the thing is, you can like listen to this podcast, ask mm-hmm. those questions tonight. If you're in a rough spot, whatever question answers you get, you get, and then you just forget about them and nothing changes. Yeah. But if you keep those questions in your mind over time, yes, your your mind is just going to be focused on them. And when your fo- your mind's focused on them, it'll pump out some answers that you need. And yeah, like, I love that. Find the, like the people who are like, find the community. It, it, it's so helpful. And it, it it, that'll help the change because I know what you're saying. I've had when I've been a part of different communities that helped me grow and transform. There was a gratefulness that grew inside of me that was just like, oh shit, like these people, they do so much for like all these other folks and they help us. And it, it like that's kind of the inspiration for me to start this shit because I'm like okay yeah. like maybe I can go and do the same thing and it's and uh are. 
and you are yeah, yeah. the fact that you're taking action you're doing it newer is just amazing like honestly yeah. it's, it's because it is that piece of actually doing the action but by doing the action it actually builds more confidence a hundred percent and then yeah. you get into a yeah. you get into another loop that's more positive fulfilling Correct. rather than negative which i've yeah. definitely i think we've both been down that path before yeah <laughs> and i and i like how the support like i think this is like our, our uh, my last episode I did, we were talking about loneliness and isolation mm-hmm. and just how big of a issue this is for our society. And it's just like, yeah. when you get too much into that isolation mode, you even forget how to connect with people. So you can That's go true. out and hang out with some people. And it's just like your conversation, your, uh, your connection is just so shallow. It just like, you don't feel the healthiness of a good relationship of a good connection. So like, there is like this vulnerability of being able to be next to somebody and being able to be like, Hey, this is how I really feel. But the one thing you said, it's like, I wanted to create my community. So I went out there and I said, Hey, is anybody else dealing with this shit? And then all of a sudden everyone's like, yeah, right here. Like, it's It's, like, it's it's, awesome. Yeah. Like the funny thing is like, when you reach out and you say something like that, people will come to you. The, the, like are, there's so much hunger and thirst for that kind of, uh, those kind of actions. And it, it is very vulnerable to be like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Does anyone else yes. struggle with it? You want to work with this together. And we have a social media web that will be able to reach the people that you need it to reach. But that's right. And it's like, you make now deeper connections and like all of a sudden life starts becoming more fulfilling over time. And it's not an overnight thing, but it's, uh, it, it is something that works. Uh, can you tell us about like some of the community you work with? Like, I know you do like sure. men's uh, men's work. Like, uh, how how do you see changes in people over time when they come involved with this? Well, I got to commend you. You know, just the way you articulate that was great, and especially the vulnerability piece. Because and what you sort of and I'll just sort of paraphrase what you were saying there. But there's an important takeaway what you just shared, Nora, and that's mm-hmm. the idea that when one person is vulnerable, it gives permission to others to be vulnerable. A hundred percent but someone's got to go first, you know? And I think that is where the stickiness uh, is, especially when it comes to men. Now recognize I'm a man who identifies as a man, okay? So everything that I'm saying in this terminology, please know I'm speaking from my perspective and my experiences. So mm-hmm. My daughter, who's about to be 19 this week, she hammers on this stuff on me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. and, I, and I know there's a whole set on this right now, you know, just the, the conversations and how I'm constantly corrected around language especially okay. when it comes to pronouns yeah I can't, I can't keep track of it all dude like it's, <laughs> anyway so uh, i i want to get the disclaimer out there okay and but vulnerability especially with men it isn't so easy because we also have to look at how were we raised what was role model to us what are some of those beliefs that were deeply ingrained and for me it was like well we don't cry mm. you know, I, I honestly can say like i, I don't remember ever seeing my dad cry now, I have a story that my mom told me on the day that I was born, you know, she saw my dad cry. I mean, I didn't see it after that, you know, and uh, because my dad was very stoic, you know, he was just very stoic. He was not very emotive. Um, he was fun. He was jovial. He knew how to laugh. But when it came to some of the other harder stuff or more challenging type conversations, he, he felt very uncomfortable doing that because that was also how he was raised. We weren't taught the healthy way of dealing with conflict especially internal conflict. Mm. And so when I think back to being a teenager, then in my 20s and early 30s with my, my habits that I had that weren't serving me, 
but I look at my association, the people I was around, those behaviors are constantly being role modeled and reinforced between us. So I didn't know there's any other way, right? Until you get to a place where it's like, gosh, this is not working and things are getting harder and I'm feeling more disconnected with my life and why I'm doing things. And that's when we start to see things unravel. But vulnerability, if, and it's a skill, okay? It's a skill, it's not a negative. I mean, we can put any sort of spin on it. We can say, oh, it makes you weak. And I'm like, I, I had this guy in Australia and uh, it's funny, I'm part of a couple of LinkedIn groups and I was sharing, I remember sharing the TEDx talk and uh, it, like, what do you say? I mean, it was just so cliche, mm. like just like, uh, and it was, it was very, it was also derogative, you know, like it wasn't very positive comment, but it was just something like, yeah, well, man, you should never be vulnerable. It makes him weak. You know, it was something really just a blatant statement. And, but what's interesting, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Australian guys, please note this, but I brought this up because uh, after living in Bali for two and a half years before the pandemic, um, I mean, there's a boatload of Australians, quite literally, okay? Like, yeah, yeah. because it's like Mexico. We had a lot of Canadians and Americans in Mexico. Well, in, in Bali, that is the Mexico for Australians, okay? Oh, and, and New Zealanders, they all go to Bali because it's quick flight. It's, yeah. it's super easy. And there, there are some stereotypes that are very alive and real. Not to say that's any different for Canadian men and, and American men and other cultures. It's very true. But I, I saw this a lot where there was a very distinct way of acting and being perceived, and it made me, I mean, having these experiences and starting to meet them and having conversations that were more open, started to realize as soon as I was opening up about some of the things I wanted, there was these other men that were very stoic, you know, they knew how to have fun, but when it came to the tough or the more deeper conversations, there was definitely a level of uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. didn't make it easy. So it was always easier. Well, let's just go have a few beers. And we'll keep the surface layer talk. It's like, well, I don't feel fulfilled. And one thing, I know there's some other things there's weighing on me, feeling really heavy. And I want to talk about it with some people. I want to see if am I am the only one that's dealing with this stuff or is there other people feel this way? And so I, I came up with the concept of what if we got together, a bunch of men that want to get together once a week, dinner and conversation. I reached out to my friend, Nick. He was living in Ubud at the time. So I lived out in Changu. Changu, for those that are familiar, is the surf side of Bali okay. and uh, just off the beach there. And, and then Ubud is the inland. It's more junglish. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, they got like a volcano there and it's, it's a lot of wet, but it, you know, if you're a yoga lover, you go to Ubud. Okay. That is like All the right. yoga Mecca, right. Of, of Southeast Asia. And, um, I remember calling Nick, uh, you know, on what's happening. Like, so here's my idea. This is what I'm thinking of doing. Now he's a, a coach and then works with just men. Okay. And so he's been familiar with doing men's circles. And I, I had done a men's circle once. I, I, it just didn't really resonate with me. It wasn't my cup of tea as they say. Okay. All just, right. I wasn't, I, I'm spiritual, but it was next level spiritual, okay. you know, and I just, and it wasn't for me. It just wasn't a fit, nothing negative yeah. about it. I think it's great, but the kind of man that I see myself as and how I act and the kind of people I tend to, to connect with, it's just different, different types of people, right? 100%. Yep. Again, find a community you feel like you belong to or mm-hmm. create your own. And so I said, okay, well, here's my idea. And Nick was like, I'm there. When do you want to start? Like, and ever since then, you know, because he was the first one to say yes to the idea. I was like, okay, well now it's got to happen, you know? And, and, and then, so we created this, this community called Mentorship Mondays. Nice. Ha, ha, yeah. Ha, I like and it's that. <laughs> 90 minutes, once a week, dinner and conversation. And, and the only rule was there's no, uh, no alcohol, no drugs, no drama, you know, yeah, like it's yeah. just, you show up as yourself and you come ready to potentially be open 
to sharing or, or what's alive and real for you. And what I mean by that is like whatever's present in the moment right now, good, bad, or the ugly, that's what's alive and real for you. Like everything is good. I mean, when's the last time you were able to say something to a group of men that was celebrating something that you had just accomplished? Mm-hmm. Like really openly be like, man, I just landed this massive contract. Like you could just be like, I just landed a Netflix series, right? Like, boom, wah. Like yeah, yeah. probably some of your comic buddy friends would be like, fuck you, Nor. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's that, do you know what I mean? But there's that instant peace in us where it's like, wants to tear it down, criticize it, devalue it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all men like this, but this was my tendency. This is what was happening in my mind. And I was like, this has got to change. This is so weird. I'm not wanting to support other men. Mm. I don't feel connected to other men and i felt like i was missing something there. i wanted deeper relationships with other guys you know i want to be able to talk about the stuff that actually matters and it's oh, important yeah. to me right now and so this community created a space that we could start to have and experiment with those kind of conversations mm. but in a very safe way and this sort of shifted my whole perspective on the idea of vulnerability and it proved to me that it's just a skill that any one of us can develop it's not a negative it is very much a positive, but it, you have to have trust and trust is earned, not given. Mm-hmm. And that takes time, but we want to have a container where we can have those conversations and start to develop the skill in a safe way where we know no one's going to use anything we say against us. That's not very common, unfortunately. No, it isn't. It's just not. And, uh, but it's becoming more common. You know, with the whole woke movement, right? <laughs> woke man. And I, I still, I think there's a set in that one too. But uh, anyways, this whole idea of being a woke man, right? Like, and, you know, some of the terminology, I'm not 100% on board with it because I just think it's it's just a different way of saying something else, but we're trying to sound clever and <laughs> like, whatever, if it works, great. If it brings more people to this practice of being vulnerable, being open, being honest, being transparent, in a way that doesn't create shock and awe, but in a way that connects us, mm-hmm. deepens understanding as well as respect and trust, that is using vulnerability in a very powerful, constructive way, very positive, yeah. you know? And, and that's what I'm trying to invite people to, to open up to, especially men. But, but this goes to everybody, okay? Everybody can benefit. And that's why the, the TED Talks, it's like why vulnerability is a human thing. It's a human thing, 100%. Yeah, it's not yeah, a woman yeah. thing. It's not a man thing. It's not a, a LBGTQT, XYZ. Yeah. You know, like it's, I always forget the last few. I, I, it's just my daughter, I wish she was here. She'd be like, dad, it's this. Anyways, uh, regardless, it's for all of us. We're all there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and, and, um, and what's been really neat, you know, is that we, we have all types that come to our men's groups, all ages, all ethnicities. It's free to come. There's no cost. We just show up once a week and you don't have to show up every week. It's not like a networking group where it's like, you got to commit to being here every Monday. No, yeah, life yeah. is dynamic. It moves. Like I realized I wanted something to be very unrestricted, very free flowing, very open, inviting and accessible. Mm-hmm. And that's what we set in motion. It's now been over three years. We've had over a thousand men come to the various uh, meetings. We, we do three uh, uh, every Monday night on Zoom and the Bali group still meets in person every week and so oh that's awesome yeah, it's super cool right like yeah it's, it's neat we had to pivot obviously i i love it being in person i i do i'm, I'm definitely biased to that in-person connection but yeah pandemic we had to go online and craziest thing was so many more men that normally wouldn't have had uh, access or, or um 
the opportunity to dive into this type of conversation now had a, a vehicle they could you know sit in and, and, uh. and now practice themselves and it's just been awesome man like it, it and just to close the loop on this you know as soon as you open up with somebody else and you're vulnerable it, it develops trust in that individual but it also gives them permission now to also be vulnerable yeah and and, and yeah it's wild it's just wild and that like people need to understand how healing it is to just even say something like that to a per a group of people even if you don't know them very well but like you feel trusted and safe you're like all right I'm going to tell something a little bit deep about what's going on but it's like it's a weight lifted off of it and then like some other people in the group might be like hey you know I've dealt with something similar and then all of a sudden it's just like bam like um yeah that question of can I do it like all of a sudden that's like starts going like hey I can like that guy just told me his story and I'm just like okay all of a sudden you get you see some movement and you see some healing um and that's the other thing about that uh, vulnerability is weak or showing emotion is weak like for a man I like I've heard that a hundred thousand times like uh I'm like I come from small town Alberta like uh yeah I'm uh I'm I'm, I know about like uh just being around like masculine like I've been playing hockey my whole life like yeah yeah. so I like I've been around like that kind of like over uh like I I hate the word toxic masculinity but like you know like machismo I yeah, call it yeah. the cheese. That's my Italian buddy. Yeah, yeah. Christian says, the yeah, cheese. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. uh, it's, it's exactly it. So I've been around it, but like, yeah. it's not weak because like, like I said, when you talk about it and you open up, like some internal healing comes with that. Right. And at the end of the day, when, when you keep doing that process, like you become more confident in yourself, you'd be able to control your emotions better you can you, your mind becomes more clear so you can see your future your goals all of that better you can uh, become more present with your relationships your family whatever that is so it's like all of these things are not weak all of those things are forms of strength and like uh once once i've learned to like deal with my inner shit which became came from like vulnerability that made me so much stronger, so much more assertive in life. Like when I wanted something, I was more assertive, which I find is a much more manly trait of being like, hey, I want this. I'm going to go get it and I'm going to be assertive about it and continually go. Yes. But that that assertiveness came from vulnerability because I, I actually dealt with that lack of or that feeling of inadequacy, that uh, feeling of uh, just not being good enough that was like very strong and it's still there. It's not, it's not completely gone. It's still there. I still deal with this, but it's uh, much more manageable. And uh, because I've dealt with it, a huge amount of confidence has come to me over the years that I've been able to be more manly, be more assertive, go and get shit that I want (laughs) and attract women in my life too, because of that. So it's like, there's nothing weak about vulnerability. And I, I really truly think the weakness is, uh, running away from those inner feelings Correct. that you that's the real weakness because those guys who run away end up um being more emotional because they'll 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 they're the ones who will flip out on an instant and i've seen it and like they think that's more manly is to fucking throw a ten- temper tantrum where that's no that's not manliness at all you're losing yourself an emotion that's not masculinity at all <laughs> Case in point to what you're saying, there was a study done by uh, Movember and uh, they did in conjunction, I forget the the company that's helped them with deploying this this 
survey basically of, of a bunch of men, uh, thousands of men they surveyed. And they asked some very specific questions. But one of the things that I, I found most fascinating of this, this report was when they surveyed men and asked them how many other men in their life outside of family are they comfortable having serious conversations with? And when I say serious conversations, I think conversations about money, maybe stress, anxiety, mental health, like really talking about the hard stuff, mm. right? The, the stuff that it's not the stuff that we talk about at the pub, you know, while we're watching USC. Like it's, you know, this is the deep stuff, the, the, the stuff that honestly truly sets us up as individuals, but also it's our lives that we're talking about now, right? And, mm-hmm. and what they found was as, as men age, especially as they get to that 35 plus, you know, they can count how many close friends they can have those conversations with on one hand. Mm. And for most of those, you know, they're lucky if they can count one mm. or two. Like, so we, and, and that changes even as we age, we seem to distance ourselves, lose these connections. I truly believe it's because we never really got connected with somebody. You know, like if you really had that powerful, deep connection, like you probably think back to some of your, your even high school friends. Like I, I see people that have gone through really hard things early on in life with other people. A lot of times those relationships, they endure. You know, when you go through a significant event with somebody, there's a big bonding there, a lot of trust, a lot of shared experiences. And it's neat to see how those relationships continue to remain intact a lot of the times. Like I look at my wife, she went through some things when her mom passed away when she was 13, you know, in a mm. really uh, awful accident. And um, her being the eldest of six siblings, you know, sort of thrust oh, her into shit. that. Yeah, yeah, she. Yeah. I mean, she became the matriarch of the family pretty much. Mm-hmm. And now she's looking after her siblings as well as helping her dad as he's coping through grief. And I mean, it, it forced her to grow up very quickly, right? Yeah, to assume a lot of responsibility. But her closest friends of hers at that time were aware of what would happen. They were good friends. They were family friends. But they're still our best friends today. Mm. No, she's not 42. Like it's, you know, span 30 years, like remarkable, but I know it it stems from that ability to be vulnerable and allow people in, Mm. you know, like it's because now we're sharing and we're connecting on a much deeper level. There's a true connection there. And I think that's the kind of connections that endure for a lifetime. But us as men, at least uh, from my perspective, what I've seen, the conversations I've had because of those lack of those deeper connecting moments and, and, understanding and really truly just being able to empathize with somebody in a completely different way. Uh, I, I think that's a big reason why we have this loneliness problem. You know, I think it's one of the biggest mitigating factors and, and yet what's the solution? Well, the solution is creating spaces where people can practice vulnerable vulnerability and, and actually develop the skill of doing it and realizing, you know what, if I share this, it's actually okay. I'm not yeah. going to die. I won't burn up, you know, in a ball of flames. Like it's, it's, it's okay. You know, like it's uh, but it's wild, you know, and it's been very cathartic for me, very mm-hmm. cathartic. And the one thing that we hear all the time when we survey guys about their experiences, when they come to mentorship Mondays, the one thing that we hear more often than anything else is I came feeling a certain way and I'm leaving feeling way better. Oh, and that's, it's awesome that's what you want and like that's uh, yeah and oh i love that honestly yeah. and like that's uh, i'm happy you're doing that man uh thanks can't uh, wait to see you come out for a monday night you know it's uh <laughs> hey i'll be down i'll be down and what like, i'm gonna be in vancouver and uh i'm hoping fall so when i do come down, yeah yeah great, we'll, uh, 
We'll definitely do that <laughs> mentorship. There. Yeah, I'll just, uh, yeah. Be good. Well, I'll, well, at least hang out. Go for a hike, man. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I can't wait to come support your set too and see you in action. It'd be so inspiring. So no, I love that, man. And uh, all right, Die, I got one more question. It's the yeah. question of the podcast. Uh, yeah. So Die, God, yay or nay? I believe that there's a bigger power. For okay. sure. I, I, I don't think I'm as um, open anymore to the idea of, of more of the organized religions. Mm -hmm. uh, just I, I just feel there's a lot of biases there. And um, again, I'm not here to say, you know, sway anybody else. This is just my own idea. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I believe in, in people and kind people like I believe in humanity's ability to be resilient, to overcome but also to support others in the process of life, you know? And so whatever that looks like, I'm, I'm really talking about just that energy, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, maybe it's more a scientific <laughs> basis, but um, I, I have resonated a lot with Buddhism and Buddhist teachings. If I'm perfectly oh, yeah. honest, yeah. like I, I appreciate what they say, but I, I am more geared to the non-secular approach, right? Like the less dogma, the better. Um, Hell yeah. Because um, I just find it so alienating. One religion has a statement and they have belief systems that alienates another person. I'm like, that's, that can't be the solution. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just, it, it can't be like, we're not that different. And as soon as we open up our mouths and we talk about what's challenging us, what, what's, you know, bringing us down, what's making life harder. I mean, the amount of people that open up and say, Hey, me too. Like I remember one mentorship Monday, like we had 25 guys around the table one Monday night. The youngest guy was 19. Oldest guy was 72 and we had everything in between seven countries represented there. That's the cool thing nice. about Bali. Everybody comes to Bali, right? Yeah. So you get all these guys from all over the place, different age, different economic backgrounds, different nationalities, as well as ethnicities. And I remember that 19 year old, he came there it was his first time. It was like a deer in headlights, right? He's like, Oh crap, what am I doing here? Like, am I in the right place? This is, this kind of looks weird. Is this an MLM meeting? Like what's up? You know, like <laughs> it's, and I get it. I get it. It's intimidating, especially at 19. I did not have the faculty nor the confidence to show up to something like that when I was 19. Exactly. So mad, mad props to him. But here's the thing. He shared something in that meeting, but only after the guy that was 72 shared, he started us off, shared something very personal, a challenge that he was working through. The 19 year olds like, you know, eyes are just like jumping out of his head. He's like, I can't believe this guy's talking about this right now. And I thought it was just, he was shocked by the subject matter. Turns out a few shares later, you know, he opens up and shares something. Same thing that the 17 year old was talking about. Oh, shit. And when the, at the end of the meeting, like we always would hang out afterwards, right? So we have our formal like 90 minutes where we eat and talk. And then afterwards, that's where we all hang out. And we, we have sort of side conversations. And I remember talking to him, Nick and I were talking to him. And he's like, man, I just shared something I've never shared with anybody. Mm. And I feel great for it. Like, I was just like, holy, you know, like, this is exactly why we're here. This is why we're doing this, you know? Yeah. And, and so to see that was just incredible. And, and that's why, I, sorry, just back to the whole religion thing. It's like any religion that, that thinks lesser of somebody else, I, I, I just can't, I, I can't support that. Hell yeah. I can't. No. Yep. Hey, man. I, uh, I, I agree completely. So I appreciate you sharing that as well with my audience. And uh, so Dai, uh, thank you so much for everything. Uh, this was amazing. We're going to have to do it again because yeah. I, I feel like we can talk for hours. Um, <laughs> Please let my audience know where they can get a hold of you and just anything you want to promote, let them know now. Oh, sure. Well, thanks. Uh, well, it, you know, my name is interesting. I mean, it's pretty unique. Dai, D-A-I, Manuel is M-A-N-U-E-L. As mentioned, it's a Welsh first name, Portuguese last name. 
I live in Vancouver, Canada. Yeah, I'm Canadian. And, <laughs> uh, but diamondwell.com is my main website. I've been blogging for 14 years. There's like 1800 articles in there, all geared to help people with living their best life. You know, nice. their healthiest versions, their most confident version. There's just a lot of content. And I always just tell people, it's like, I, I want to apologize for it, but be ready. You'll probably go down a rabbit hole and it'll be a while before you get out. <laughs> it's like, you know, you go from article. Uh, so that's a great place to start if you're looking for just inspiration, motivation, and education. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, you want to have a conversation. I love having conversations. Uh, connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Those are the three channels I'm most active on. Just my name. You can type my name. You will find me. Okay. And uh, just send me a message. Say, I heard what you and you were talking about. I, I love vulnerability. I love being vulnerable. You know, like whatever. Let's just have a conversation and uh, we'll see where it goes. Hell yeah, man. All right. I'll toss all of that in the bio <laughs> and uh, dive. Uh, thanks so much. We're going to have to do this again in the future. I'm in. Thanks, Nora. And I can't wait to see you out here in Vancouver, man. And uh, if I get out to Toronto, I'll definitely hit you up so I can come check out some of your sets. And uh, I, I just feel very grateful to be connected and thank you for this opportunity to connect with you and your audience. Hey, thanks buddy. All right. That was another episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please like, and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps and share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at newerkidy on Instagram or check out my website, newerkidy.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, podcast network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.